Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. And today we are concluding our series on building a better marriage for this year. And I'm excited to talk about today's topic because I think it's one that is really um, juicy. (laughs) We have a lot of differing opinions on this. And I want to say up front that I considered titling this uh, episode, Is the Husband the Head of the Home? But I decided not to do that because although it would bring me nothing but immense joy to do a theological deep dive into uh, the role of women and men and specifically the whole idea of, you know, women submitting to their husbands and all of that. Um, I don't feel like that's the best use of our time today. So if you do want to hear that, please shoot me a DM or a private message on social media. And um, if I get enough of you guys saying that, I'll do a separate episode for that. But I, I think that to conclude our series on marriage, the best thing to focus on would be on how to make decisions together as a couple. And I'll tell you, you know, for a lot of us that um, did not do premarital counseling or our premarital counseling was a decade plus ago, um, this is a topic that I think needs to be talked about. So I want to give you three tools today of ways that you can make decisions in your marriage that are all sort of under the guise of pursuing love with one another. And I know that that feels kind of, you know, obvious, right? We want to pursue love in our marriage, but sometimes we don't consider pursuing love in our decision making. So if you are considering, for example, what method you're going to use to discipline your kids, right? Are you going to spank? Are you going to do timeout? Are you going to, you know, have varying consequences of different kinds according to what they do wrong? You know, all of that. That's a big decision to make in a marriage. Or how much money are you going to put in savings for a rainy day fund? Or, you know, how do you view investing and what's your investing strategy? And, uh, you know, how, what about kids college plan, all this kind of stuff. Where should you work? If you, what if you want to retire early? What if you want a different job? Um, all of that requires the ability to make good decisions together and feel confident that you are making a decision together that is, um, really including the both of you, not, uh, not, you know, what am I trying to say? Discluding? That's not a real word, but not, you know, basically saying I'm making this decision and you just have to live with it. So how do we make good decisions in a marriage? Well, I'm going to give you sort of a tip that, that my husband and I have used, and this is in no way uh, something that you have to do. This is just something that we have, have come to together. So we are, um, we are aware that we both bring varying strengths to the table and we also both bring varying weaknesses to the table when we're making a decision. Uh, my husband, for example, he likes to move at lightning speed. I mean, if you've ever followed me on social media, you've probably seen me wear the hat that says go fast, don't die, which is a motorcycle company. And when I, I had like a sponsored ad from them and I saw it and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is our family motto, basically not in words, but it's how we live. So I'm 
buy in it. So we, we bought ourselves go fast, don't die hats because he likes to, he likes to jump from one thing to the next. He is an uber visionary. I mean, off the charts, visionary person, uh, conquering the world for Jesus through business. It's kind of wild. And so the way he likes to make decisions is very different than me. I feel like I move at a snail's pace in comparison to him. Now I know I move pretty fast compared to other people, but in our dynamic. So we had to come to a place of, of what are we going to do when we're trying to make a decision? And we partner together in a lot of stuff. We, we own these businesses together. We, we do ministry together, all of this. And so what we decided was, um, if one of us feels a no from the Lord, then it is a no. And it could be that it's a no for now, right? That it's a no for this moment in time and there's a there's a timing issue. But I guess I should go before that even and, and say what you've probably already picked up on is that when we make decisions, we make decisions with the Lord. It's not just, you know, my opinion or his opinion, but it's prayerfully thought about it. What does that mean? Sometimes that can sound overly spiritual. That means that we invite Jesus to tell us his opinion. Sometimes he actually tells us, sometimes he doesn't, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of um, we didn't hear anything from him and, and there's that. But we always want to make sure we're asking Jesus, do you have an opinion on this decision? For example, a couple of years ago, we decided we were going to change our um, giving and savings structure. So uh, my husband had this idea of a percentage that he wanted to give that was more than 10%. And I was really nervous about it just on a financial level, right? Just just trying to figure out, look, <laughs> I don't even know if we can afford to do that. And so we spent time praying over it. Eventually, I decided I'm not hearing anything from the Lord. And if you feel really strongly about this, let's do this. So we did it. Well, over the course of several months, I realized I did not have the faith that he had. And it was causing me this anxiety. And I was violating the scripture that God wants us to give cheerfully because I was giving begrudgingly because my husband said he wanted to do it. So I come back to him and I said, look, I've tried for several months to reconcile this with myself and I just can't, you know, I don't feel like God is saying anything on either side. I just feel so uncomfortable every time we do this. So we decided, all right, if we're not on the same page, we're going to do things differently. Well, fast forward two years. And then I was like, oh, I totally have faith for this. I'm ready for this. Let's do it. And it's been a really beautiful thing. So when, when we are approaching a decision and I really want to encourage you guys to do this as well, Approach it from the angle of if one person is a no, it's probably a no. And it might be a no for now or it might be a no for good. So a lot of times when we get into decision-making in a marriage, we fall into the trap of wielding the scripture like a weapon against our spouse. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this before. And if you have, you know, there's grace for you to stop doing this. But men love to do this in certain scriptures and women love to do this in other scriptures. Let me give you an example. So Ephesians says, husbands, love your wives. And if you scour the Bible, you will see there is no command to women to love their husbands. The command that we are given is to respect our husbands, right? But we are not told by God, uh, specifically unique to our husband, you must love him. We are told to love people. And so you can get around that, you know, you can find a loophole in that. But so it can be tempting as a woman to basically lay your foot down and say, look, I don't have to love you. <laughs> which is not good, right? I'm not advocating doing that. But that would be an example of wielding the scripture against your husband as a weapon. How do husbands do this? They say things like, wives, submit to your husbands. 
wives submit to your husbands. And when they do that, they completely ignore that two verses prior, Paul says, husbands and wives submit to one another. Mutual submission. God is not saying that wives are obligated to submit to their husbands in every single thing, and the husbands are never obligated to submit to their wives. That is not actually what the Bible says. But when we get into these modes where we feel like there's friction and we're not getting our way, right? So we're trying to make a decision and you're not on board with my decision. It's all too easy to reach for that scripture as a way to sort of, quote, bring them in line. But here's the reality. When we use scripture both out of context and to take away someone else's voice, we are operating in the demonic realm. And you heard me say that correct. I'm not saying that we are not able to use scripture to speak truth. What I'm saying is if you are using scripture to coerce someone else to do what you want to do, you are out of bounds. And that's so important for us to hear and think about because I watch this happen in so many marriage dynamics, right? Where push comes to shove, not literally usually, but you know, two people feel really passionate about their opinion and their decision that they want to make. And then the husband, if he's very passionate, he'll use these type of scriptures to basically say, look, you have to submit to me because I'm the head of this home. And we won't spend the time today getting into the fact that when Paul used that, the actual word he used is kafale, which actually means source in a sense of created order, not head in a sense of authoritative Uh, But you know what? You can do some research on your own on that. There's plenty of books out there that dive into how that got misconstrued. And I think a lot of it has to do with our unending desire to control people for our own gain. Guys, this is one of the oldest sins in the book, right? We want to control people for our own gain. And that's what toddlers do. That's not what mature sons and daughters of God do. And so when we're making a decision, both for the women and the men in a marriage, we have to to avoid trying to usurp someone else's autonomy for the sake of our own gain. What do I mean by that? That means that I come into this thinking my way has to be more right than yours because of whatever reason I feel today whatever justification I want to get behind. And I want your voice to be less uh, heard than my voice because I fundamentally believe that my way is right. But let me just tell you something. When you come together in a marriage, you come and you become one in the eyes of the Lord. Now you are, uh, you know, individual as well, right? You are unique. It's not like you lose your individuality before Jesus. You are always God's son or always God's daughter, but he views you as a unit. So when you have to ascension towards your spouse, you are having an autoimmune disease, basically. You're fighting your own self, your own body. And it's so important for us to realize that decision-making is one of the ways that this happens the most. So let me just give you three practical tools for how you can gauge the decisions that you're making to hopefully help you uh, alleviate some of the tension and the, the, the twinge to control, the desire to control that comes out in all of us. Blanketing over all three of these tips is that we are pursuing love, right? We are putting on the banner of love and we are pursuing the way that Jesus asks us to pursue. If God brought you together with your spouse, God knows that their perspective needs to be had in your life, right? It doesn't have to be the only perspective as if yours doesn't matter, but it has to be a factor in how you make your decisions. So number one, pursue peace. Pursue peace. Peace. 
So for some of you guys, you're probably like me. And sometimes I like to pick fights just because it's fun. Now I'm not, I know for some of you guys that are super peacemakers, you're like, wow, that's the rudest thing I've ever heard. But those of you guys who are on the fight side of fight, flight or freeze, you know exactly what I'm saying. It's just, it's like a design flaw, I guess, no matter where we fall in all of these categories, we're all flawed for different reasons. But there are times when I just feel this like frenetic angst inside of me. And it's usually because I'm frustrated about something else. And I want to release that frustration and it's easy to pick fights with your spouse when you've been married for a while and you know exactly what buttons to push right but in a marriage and really in all relationships we want to pursue peace we want to pursue peace not uh not peace as the lack of you know um avoiding conflict or peace to sweep something under the rug but genuine peace that we live in harmony with one another so how can you make this decision in a way that is peaceful well one of the very practical things you can do is not diminish or demean or name call your spouse when they don't see it the way you do right so uh, i don't know very many people who would do this but if you're having a conversation about finances and, and one person is stronger in math than the other. It might be easy for that person to, to say, look, you're, you're just you're too stupid to understand what I'm saying. Well, that's a very demoralizing and demeaning way to say, you know, <laughs> to get your point across. If we're pursuing peace, then we're not name calling. We're not dominating. We're not diminishing someone else just so that we can get our way. The second thing. So we're going to pursue peace and then we're going to pursue honor. We're going to pursue honor of our spouse. Now, what does this mean? I bring this up because the truth is your spouse has some great qualities and some qualities that are not great. And I know you know this, but the truth of the matter is that there are some areas where they're going to strive, uh, thrive, excuse me, naturally. And there's going to be some areas where no matter what they do, they just do not have this skill. Let me give you an example on a very personal level. I uh, I am uh, have a pretty good intuitive financial sense. I am not good at math, and I am not great at um, investing math, which is a completely different kind of thing. But I have a really keen ability to keep us on track budget-wise for our goals. You know, a lot of that's because I'm doing most of the spending, right? I'm buying the groceries. Uh, I'm, I'm buying the kids' supplies, that kind of stuff. So I've got all the information usually when my husband doesn't. When we first got married, we kind of came under this thinking that, okay, the husband is supposed to do the finances. And so we would go at times and our bills wouldn't get paid, not because the money wasn't in the account, but because my husband would forget to do it. And I really struggled with that because I'm going, this is not hard, right? In, in my mind, I'm like, this is not hard to just pay the bill when it comes. Just get out your checkbook and write a check. Yes, I still write checks. Um, and so we came to this place of honor of saying, this is something I do naturally better than you. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but between the two of us, I'm going to win. And so the place of honor was him saying, it is better for us together for you to do this, uh, you know, job, basically this chore so that we can thrive together and not have our power turned off, for example. So that would be a silly way to talk about the way that we pursue honor. Take a moment and actually recognize what strengths does your spouse bring to the table? And are you set up in a way where you can benefit from those strengths, right? Um, like dis discipline, for example, when you've got little kids in the home, there's usually one parent who is just <clears throat> sort of more naturally able to be consistent with the discipline. 
So that would be a place where you can offer something to the family, you know, depending on what you choose in discipline. Uh, when you're doing it, if you're that person, it's going to probably go better than when your spouse is trying to do it. So uh, choosing honor in that way. I could go down the list of all the different sort of domestic components of life that we have to cover, cooking, etc. But I think it's important when we are making decisions to consider what does our spouse bring to the table that I uh, need in this moment? Or what do I bring that they need? And let's pursue the honor to bring that into fruition. So we're going to pursue peace. We're going to pursue honor. And the third key is pursuing unity, pursuing unity. Now, I know a lot of these, there's nuance between the three, but here's where unity comes into play. You guys need to want what you, you need to want the best for one another. You need to see you guys as a singular unit before the Lord to bring glory and honor to his name. And you might be on different places in your journey of embodying that call of reflecting the image of Jesus, but pursue the unity that is um, the sanctity of the covenant that you have with your spouse. At times, that's going to be really frustrating because you have different goals for where you want to go and things you want to achieve. But what you have to do is remember, first and foremost, you're, you are a, a unit together. And I think that that helps lay the foundation and the bedrock. So, for example, you know, my husband, Grant, he loves investing, not necessarily in the stock market, but he, he's a, like a fanatic about real estate investing now for good reason. Right. We have a real estate brokerage. He's had his license for a long time. Um, and so this is his wheelhouse. And, you know, he has plans and, and, and dreams and plans and thoughts and <laughs> everything in between of helping us develop a long-term financial plan that involves investing in real estate. And there's been times in my life where I'm like, I don't understand that. My eyes glaze over when you start talking about this. This is so you know difficult for me. And I would wanna just say, look, this is too complicated for me to understand. No, let's not do that. But if I'm pursuing us as a unified like unit together before the Lord, then I can step back and ask the question, not do I want to do this, but is God calling us to do this? And is he giving this to him to do for our family? Right. And so in this situation, yes, hundred percent, I don't have to fully understand it because God is doing it through him. And I get to be the benefactor of that component in their relationship with God. We could slice this up on any different topic that comes up. But the reality is you want to pursue unity, understanding that you're working together towards common goals and not against each other towards your own goal that only serves yourself. So ultimately, we're pursuing love in these three ways, right? This is some of the ways that we can pursue love. So I know I'm not exactly telling you the ins and outs of exactly what to make, you know, what is the right decision to make, because that's not always the, the right thing. Sometimes the right decision is the one that draws you guys together and makes space for both of your uniqueness um, at the same time. I'll end by saying this. I love this phrase. Danny Silk has, uh, I think it's the keep your love on material, but I think he said it in a couple different contexts as well. And he says that a lot of times we view marriage as one powerful person and one powerless person, a less powerful person. And he said that when we do that, the powerful person feels like it's their right, their responsibility, it's their place to dominate over the other person to get what they want. 
But a genuine godly marriage, a beautiful marriage, is two powerful people working in unity together, not trying to dominate the other one to get what they want, but to really uh, stand alongside and champion your spouse to become as great as they can be and make space for both of you to be powerful in that way. That's my challenge to you guys today as we're wrapping up this Build a Better Marriage series. My challenge to you is pursue love, pursue togetherness, pursue peace and honor and unity, and you will be better for it. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.